welcome to West Virginia and Commonplace. Um, at certain times, there comes a time that uh, we get into a, a stance of that we want to be able to have a great experience in, at the movie theater. We want to have a great experience at home with a movie. We want to have a great experience with a projector out in the middle of the woods and, and uh, watch a movie. Today, I have with me Raymond Beidel, and he is a true cinematic experience. And he will correct his name because I did say his last name uh, incorrect. I apologize. Um, Raymond, could you please tell us who you are and tell me the proper way to say your last name? I'm Raymond Biddle. And Biddle. Most people call me Ray in the informal settings. Um, okay. Anyway, I'm Raymond Biddle. I run Biddle Productions. I also run Biddle Drive-In. You met my daughter, Amber, and she said we should talk, and that's how I got here today, and now we're on your podcast. Okay, so you run a production company that handles all facets of the film industry, correct? Correct. All right, so here's my question to you, because everybody has a cinematic experience when it first started for you. I'll tell you mine real fast. I was born in 1985, so I have no recollection of anything up until about like 88 or 89. The first cinematic experience I had was with a movie that a lot of people were like, huh, that's kind of weird. Oliver and Company. It wasn't one of Disney's best movies, but I do remember going to the theater, seeing that. And then my biggest experience though was with Dick Tracy. When I seen Dick Tracy, Dick Tracy was the first movie that got me involved with merchandise, with um, having a little wristwatch, going back and reading the comics from um, when, when they came out in the fifties and uh yeah, it was the 50s. So what was your first cinematic experience? And what? And after that, what brought you into wanting to keep that cinematic experience going? Well, for me, my first cinematic experience was when I was four. I saw the film True Grit, and it was just to spend time with my dad because I didn't get a lot of that the way he worked. And, uh, you know, four, you're like, dad wants to go to a movie? This will be great. So my first, he took me to drive-ins, and he would... uh like like I saw Dirty Harry when that came out I'm guessing I was like seven so he also liked some weird things so I saw like Tora 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 and that started Whoa. Gary Berghoff and uh, he liked <laughs> horror movies I was just the kid who went wrong so but that really didn't influence me in terms of what I became as a filmmaker and a writer that came much later um I live with a traumatic brain injury and back in the 90s I thought I was going insane, but it just turned out I was creating stories and I didn't know what to do with them. So, you know, <laughs> you wander around talking to yourself and you're like, well, this ain't right. People are starting to look at you funny and you're like, hmm, maybe I need an outlet. So what got me into this was watching a show called The Man Show on Comedy Central. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, they brought me in. I have, well, I have a varied work history is the best way to word it. I used to do a lot with collectibles, toys, comics, antiques, and I had an opportunity to do a lot with pro wrestling. So, so I had a shop that was next to, uh, at the time, it was done by the, it was a wrestler, but he was kind of retired. His name's Larry Sharp, pretty boy Larry Sharp. Okay. And he owned the Monster Factory. So to hustle, I got wrestling stuff because my store was right next to his wrestling school. They, okay. they would have monthly shows. I would have stuff to sell people and then make some money. So 
that's what got me into like the entertainment business because uh i was like wait a minute they called the man show called me they asked me for some information on andre the giant i put it together took about 15 minutes and i made 350 dollars oh whoa i was convinced i was the star so you know brain injury get a little weird and i decided i'm gonna do this so i tortured my wife for two years and just started writing in notebooks and she was like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know, but I feel good. And she's like, go for it. So yeah, I started writing, didn't know what I was doing. The internet was new. I didn't know where to look up stuff. My first script was 240 something pages. It's a little long. I, I would write thoughts. I would write smells, but I learned and I evolved. And by, the, by 2002 or so, I could write a decent script. So that's what that I hope that answers that question. Oh, yes, it does. Now, entering film school, you went to the Academy of Art University in San Francisco. What drew you to attend this university? And what are some uh, favorable moment memories that you have from being in school? Um, let's see. Online college was starting. OK, so I picked them because they had an online film program. I was in my 40s at that point, And to go back to school. I, I wanted to do something I was passionate about because if I went to, I was an accountant. I'm not made out to be an accountant. I like numbers, but that wasn't my thing. So I'm like, I can tell stories. I know how to structure things. I know how to create characters. I can create all sorts of people. I have to explore this. So I sent them a sample of one of my scripts they were like, it's rough in certain areas, but the storytelling is great. Welcome aboard. So that got me into their program. And then I went there around them every month. Like we had like maybe two weeks off. And we, we, I did that in like four years. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, it was great. And as for um, a memorable experience from there, when, okay, I hate name dropping because that sounds weird. Uh, remember the Andy Griffin show? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, remember the name of the beginning? The creator's name was Aaron. Brain cramping. Anyway, oh. his son, Andy or Andrew. Hun, can you do me a favor? Look up the creator of the Andy Griffin show so I say the name correctly. But anyway, his son was my screenwriting teacher, and he <laughs> and. He, he has since passed away, but anyway, he was like, you need to talk to this person, this person, and this person, and this person. Just keep, keep hounding them until you get an opportunity. It's like, yes, sir. And he goes, you can write. You're really good at this. And that was the first time someone, other than friends and family, said, I was a strong writer. Okay, so that, that encouragement there from the um, son of the creator of Andy Griffith kind of molded you a little bit. It kind of made you uh, feel better in your skin, right? Oh, yeah. It was like, uh, I mean, I, I grew up playing sports and I was good at a lot of sports. I had some opportunities later, but life got in the way, we'll say. It was like that. It was that type of environment where everything you did was for the team. Mm -hmm. So if I'm giving the words to these actors and the actors are digging what they're saying and they're like, you're really good. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes you feel good. Yeah. Now. On your IMDb, you have numerous accolades to your name. And I'll give you a moment. I'll definitely need you to go through everyone that, that, that you have an accolade for. Um, what has been the most rewarding position you have had thus far in filmmaking? 
Um, let me bring this one up. Uh, okay. <clears throat> I, it's a how how I work and how I how I do things. I get the most joy out of helping people that have they have no they have a story. They have that it's called a logline that one sentence that tells the story. And if I can see something in that, and they're like, I I need this written, and I teach them how to develop their characters so they can give me the right characters, then they teach then I teach them how to give me three paragraphs and turn it into 90 pages of script. And when they get that and we click, that's that's that yes, you know. Um, <laughs> however, then then they get in the production. And when they make something, um, it's the next, it's the next yeah type of feeling. Then when it gets screened and the, where you can find it on Amazon Prime, Netflix, a theatrical run. And you're like, and they're like, thank you so much for making my dreams come true. Nothing's better than that for that part. The next part is the, uh, my own writing my own stuff when i get to make my own stuff and and to the point like if it's in a like uh if, if a move if i do something we get into like you take over a theater and it's called forewarning you do a little publicity you hope people show up and then you're doing a comedy let's say and the joke hits with the actors the timing's perfect and then the crowd erupts or are we allowed the cursor now yeah go ahead Okay, where if you're doing something horror and your character bites the head off a squirrel that you built and it has that perfect crunch sound and the blood splatters and the audience is like, what the, ah! you scare the shit out of them and, <laughs> and people start running around and losing their minds. It's the same type of deal. It, it, it just, for me, it, for me, it's, that's the most self-satisfying. And then if I combine it all, it's getting the opportunity to work with my wife, Jackie. She's my my cohort in crime, let's say, and my business partner, and she's been with me through every bit of madness we've ever created. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, so oh. so she's the person that helps you behind the scenes with your production company. Yes, <clears throat> and then over to you know, and friends and family have been supportive and things like that. But then having Amber come on and show me how to. I'm not good at self-marketing, as you can tell. I mean, I'm not nervous talking to you, but I'm not good at it. Because I'm just like, hey, let's make the thing, man. Let's just do it. Oh, there's thinking. Oh, I got to think on this too. <laughs> but Amber takes over and she's like, try this. And then it clicks. Like uh, my my the production website, biddleproductions.com. She was like, I, I started putting it together and I'm like, this isn't working. She's like, well, let's try this, 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 and this. And she got, she was like, break it up by, like, I do budgets for people. I do the pre-production planning and packaging and all that fun stuff that, uh, like, if you want to make a movie and you don't know what to do, and you're like, you know what, I just want to get the camera and play with the actors and make it, you call me and I, I let you know what it's going to cost, how to get your locations and all that fun stuff. So Amber's made that like I thought I was doing okay, but I was wrong. Amber's made that <laughs> into something so much more. So 
um, Vital Productions is the love child of all your work. Can you explain all the multiple functions that are inside your production company? Because here's the thing, like when I hear production company and I'm someone that is naive to the actual production of things, I'm thinking that you do the PR, the, the sound, you do everything that goes along with filming a movie. So what all do you entail that you all do with this company? Well, okay, I can't take all the credit for this alone. This is where Jackie and I really work as a team. Uh, and it depends on what type of project. So I'm going to, the easiest example is when we do a feature film. Okay. Okay. And the, and the simplest form is when you watch a film and you get to the credits and you see the names rolling, other than the acting, and I can't say we do everything all the time and we have other people that help, but we've done every credit you can imagine, except for maybe Animal Wrangler, hun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, um, we like. Uh, I'm really proud of how how we feed people. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes you can't pay people in the level of projects that we're talking about here. So, okay. but we make sure you get your three meals a day, and it's not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's you know, Jack, Jackie will make like spaghetti for like twelve people, or or we'll do uh paninis or something like that we'll just we'll make sure if you you know we can't pay them but we show our appreciation and make sure that they're like no i can't eat anymore thank you oh that type of stuff so yeah we take care of people really well and okay now let me ask you something real quick because i've seen something i went over to the website something that caught my eye pitch bibles right what are those Okay, pitch Bible. All right, we'll start with a TV show because they seem to be the most requested for those. You have your idea, you have your script, but now you can't just write a script anymore. Nobody, no, in the old days, you would write a script, give them the log line, which is the one sentence that tells the story, makes people interested. So you'd submit your script, they'd start reading it, they'd read like three pages and, and most likely tell you no. A pitch Bible, you get to give that visual presentation. So you can you can show the color scheme. You can show ideas for who the actors will be. You can show how certain set parts, um, locations. If you're going to do something cool, like take your wife's minivan and not tell her, and then put like a head that you filled with like uh, goo and a bad wig and run it over with her car, and hopefully it doesn't damage your car things like that. They love that stuff. This is the stuff that uh, when I, and I say low budget, I'm going to go up to like 500 grand. I, and, <laughs> and for me, that would be like 15 films, but with the, I lost my train of thought with the pitch Bible. Yes. You want to make sure you, you want to, you, you basically, you have one paragraph. It's like this film's about hit the highlights it will appeal to audiences why whatever set piece or whatever particular scene is going to bring it, get at their hearts or make them shut their pants, as I said before. Whatever is going to make them jump and get into it emotionally, that's your pitch. Then you, you give them the five main characters and each of those characters have to be unique because if you don't, that's the part there that's going to make a, a bigger producer go, I don't like this script, but I like what this guy does or this girl does. Boom. 
now you can sell your sell a different script because the it's not just about one project it's about all your projects when you try to uh do these pitches and a pitch bible is that tool okay and, and like you said with that pitch it's kind of like what would i do with uh when I'm going out for advertisement, I have to have a good pitch and a follow-up, but your pitch Bible does the pitch and the follow-up and keeps the people enticed and tells them which direction they need to feel about it. And it yeah. basically conveys a really strong message. All right. I, I can get with that. Now, uh, outside of this, we were talking about your accolades. You have another title that is very interesting and that's an author. You're an author of two books. Yeah. Let's, uh, well, when we were doing the prep stuff, I didn't put, I didn't put the books behind the Amandru with Amandru Longing and Enlightenment, and I'll get into that later. But the the two books I did were Remember What You've Done. That's the my uh it deals with dysphoric identity disorder. Am I saying that right? Okay. This is yes. so different. So it's basically multiple personality disorder. And it's got two strong female characters, and they're the ones battling around for the control of the mind. And then I throw in a little bit of, let's say, natural born killers in there just to keep things fun and spicy. <laughs> so, and then the other book was how to make a feature film for $250. And it's not as hard as you would think, as long as you have a strong story and you have people that you can trust. And you just take the pieces and you do it step by step as it's in the book. You, you, can, do a, you can do a decent festival film for that amount of money and not even have the best camera. You don't need the best editing stuff. You just need heart and passion, or is that the same thing? Either way. So, so when did you have time? Because you got a lot of titles. When did you have time to become an author? Because that's like the hardest. That's one of the hardest fields to get into. I understand right, that you write and, and you you do scripts, but actually turn that around to be an author. When did you well, decide I, that you needed to do that? I I don't. I haven't had too much downtime per se because there's just been so much going on thank you covid it's just been madness but right right as that was starting i was finishing up the uh remember what you've done book and i was just like i gotta try a book i tried and failed tried and failed tried and failed for years and i was like i'm overthinking it so i retrained my brain and i was like i would write until i got tired that was that day right and and Eventually, I wound up with like 130 pages, 25,000 plus words, gave it to Jackie, who's my, she edits. It's funny when you write something, you don't want to edit it because it's a time killer. So it just stops your momentum. So I let Jackie edit. And well, actually, she she doesn't, I shouldn't say let. She's like, give, give me your freaking book, Ray, and let me fix how you can't spell words like the and things like that. She's great. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, there's a film that you have on Amazon video right now. Um, that is a zombie film fest, correct? Uh, it's Biddle Productions Pro- presents. presents zombie then, film fest. Yes. I, <laughs> that, that's kind of a misnomer. It, it started out as being Biddle Productions presents uh-huh. zombie film fest and Timmy LaGoof. Cause we did Timmy LaGoof with local actors and it was okay. I'm like, I can do something with this. And then I had it in my head that I had to make a feature film. So I, I went to bed on a Saturday night and I had a bunch of dreams about zombie movies. I woke up super early one morning and I wrote all six scripts by between like five and 10 a.m. Whoa. And, 
<laughs> yeah. And they were all shorts, six, seven, eight, ten minutes. And we just put it, I just was like, well, if we film each of these pieces, we can call it an anthology film. It's not really an anthology film because there's no wraparound story to tie everything together. So yeah, it was just just the my my zombie movies are a little bit different than most. Most people are like, oh what's this creepy place hey that guy's eating people run my my zombie films get into uh the if i like if you ever have those thoughts where you're like i wonder what happened if a zombie married or a regular human and they just had to live life together could they do it and so that was that was um, i'm looking for that so you humanize a zombie, but basically you take the, the twist out of the, 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 the aspect of just, oh, I'll eat your brains. And yeah. You're like, hey, I'm going to be a conscious thinker, but I still might eat your brains if you get out of line. Exactly. But like, like, um, on, how many zombie movies have you, have you watched in your life? Probably like 20 or 30. Okay. It's some are a little bit different. Like, uh, like 28 days is fun. It's different. Yes. And then, then you have like Zombieland, but it's all, we have to survive, get away from the people that are going to eat us. Right. True? Same premise. So the, like, I'm just going to go down the order. So the first one is zombie a go-go. Spokane had a bar called the zombie room. Okay. If you see a place called the zombie room and you make movies, you have to find a way to shoot there. So, you know, the joke, like three guys walk into a bar and then the punchline. Yes. So this was three zombies walk into a bar after work and just talk about their day and then they get harassed by clients and they're you know they're they're disheveled and they're just sad they don't want to eat anybody they just want to drink their zombie drinks and go home (laughs) that's all it is (laughs) then the next one was what i was talking about a little bit earlier as a zombie gives up eating people to be true to his wife who's one of the living and one of the best scenes we've ever filmed was when I was talking about eating the squirrel. Okay. Yes. Uh, hopefully I don't paint myself in a bad light here. Okay. One of our actors, I, I don't want to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him for this. Okay. We, we had a little bit of miscommunication and he has diabetes. Now, if you know anything about fake blood, it's 99% sugar. The rest is food coloring. Yes. So you're like, dude, do not swallow the blood. It's sugar. And they say, okay. Then you say action and everybody forgets that stuff. They're just doing the best they can. So he takes the squirrel and he breaks the neck and he bites it and tears it apart and he gets a big mouthful of blood. And I'm like, we got to do it one more time. We do it the second time. Same thing with the backup squirrel. So now he's had like six ounces of sugar blood <laughs> he's like i think i had too much sugar great thank you but uh it <laughs> other than that part it was great then we did one you know the dog races yes how, how they chase a rabbit yes we had five zombies it's called the zombie race five zombies pursue an old man in a wheelchair that was played by me and, <laughs> and, and they chase him through the city streets until there's a winner and it has a twist ending. I don't want to give that away, but it was hysterical. Have you ever seen zombies smoke cigarettes and they are holding fake? Oh, it's hysterical. It was great. It's a fun, that was another one. And we had a lot of fun doing it. It doesn't fit the zombie mold, 
true zombie fans are like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, it's funny. They're like, uh, and anyway, then uh, I did Little Red Riding Hood with zombies, which stars <laughs> Amber. <laughs> and uh, she, she was like 13, maybe 14 at the time. And uh, yeah, so I had to dress up as Little Red Riding Hood. And Big Bad Wolf's a zombie wolf. Bad things happen. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> and then we did zombie fast food. So uh, most of the zombie fast food you can find on YouTube. It was like an early cut. You remember the early days of YouTube at all? Yes, they, yes, yes. And uh, that 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 particular clip got hijacked, like Whoa. it was stolen and edited by. I want to believe it was something in Hong Kong, because like I play a fat jogger. Okay. And, you know, typecasting, and the the zombies come and they eat me on the front steps of this house. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the scary one of the group. And it was funny. It was messy. But why people, why someone decided we're going to take this eight minute film and cut out, we're, we're going to show people chewing on fake organs, but we're going to cut out the blood splatter coming out of his mouth. You know, it was funny. That's, that's crazy. Now, let me ask you this. You actually took this to Amazon. How do you present your film to Amazon or get it even on Amazon? What's, well, a, what's, what's the procedure for that? Well, well back then, you just basically went to the site and they, they had a place called uh, Creative Space where you could uh, do your DVDs. Okay. So, so you basically submitted to that. It automatically got put into Amazon's play. And Amazon was just starting to do their, their not, I guess they were, it, it wasn't exactly called streaming yet, but you could go in and your movies would show up on Amazon Prime and then people would find them on the television and things like that. Um, I mean, it was so old, it was standard definition, but that's enough. Anyway, so to do this, you went to the site, you, you, you followed their rules and regulations, you submitted some artwork, um, the DVD cover. And then it just went out and whoever bought it, bought it. And then uh, now they, they have a specific video streaming site. That, but I, I, I don't like to deal with that anymore because of the hassles involved. Yes. But, um, so now there's a, I'm going to call it a film aggregator. I might be mispronouncing that, but it's called Film Hub. And Film Hub, you submit your project, they review it, and then all sorts of streaming sites can find it. It's not, you, you can't get on Netflix. Netflix is pretty hard. Netflix, you got to have like real budgets behind stuff. You got to have, have names involved. But you can get on Tubi, you can get on Amazon. Um, are you familiar with uh, Vimeo? Yes. Vimeo has a streaming site. They actually pay people now. It's Whoa. amazing. So that's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And okay, that, now see, see, all that stuff was also tied into why we did Biddle Drive-In because Amazon went from paying like 15 cents the high end was maybe 30 cents per 60 minutes viewed it's now down to a penny whoa yeah so think you know you 90 minutes you get a thousand streams you're not making very much money now not at all yeah it's it's ridiculous some of the other sites pay a little bit better but eh. so that so you, you led into what i was about to ask you about um about your current project um 
I understand, like, because uh, because uh, just with uh, podcasting, we have independent uh, podcasters. Then we have some podcasters that join affiliates, join networks, and get to a bigger, broader uh, space in certain areas. And some don't, which is good. Um, but you help the indie filmmaker, the indie content creator um, with your drive-in service. Could you, um, we had Amber want to explain it, but could you explain more about the drive-in service? Like, oh, why you decided to start it and what like really pulled you to do this? Uh, frankly, I got tired of these companies screwing people that are putting their heart and soul. I mean, I know some people that have spent like, right. If Hollywood spends $50 million for a movie, that's not coming out of someone's pocket. That's a corporate, eh, whatever you want to call it. I know people that have spent $25,000, dollars $50,000 of savings for a dream. And then Amazon's like, we don't want it. You, you did great. It's a great movie. But no, that type of stuff. So I'm like, if you can make a movie that, that's coherent, that has a story, I want it. It doesn't have to be great. Um, Everything that's on the site right now should be on Netflix. It should be on Amazon. It should be on Hulu. And it's not just because it was made. It was made well. I can honestly say the the worst film technically on the site right now is my enlightenment 30 seconds at a time, which was intentionally made to be less than uh hollywood i'll put it that way and and we still put it together with passion and we still did a really good product but the the other six that are up there right now i don't have them in front of me sorry they uh uh, as we i'm I'm thinking and i'm my brain's out thinking my mind okay um there's one by a gentleman named ron brown and i can't believe i just butchered his name Start again. There's one on there right now by a man named Ron Ford, and he is a genius. Uh, if you ever get the chance, just uh, IMDb him when you get a chance. Okay. All, all of his films are, they should have Oscars to them. They, sh- they should be noticed. The man should be rich. He, he, he's brilliant for what he does when it comes to, you got a camera got an editing bay and we got great actors that's all he asked for so um he did a film years ago called hollywood mortuary okay had a chance to see it watch it it's about old time hollywood it's hysterical it's even got an oscar winner in it so (laughs) and do you remember her name anyway yeah she's from the 50s but she was an oscar winner. i mean there's these people um avi avi chambra Okay, he's, we'll got definitely look her. he's got two films on my site they're both shorts but they're they were professionally done they tell a great story they're different they've got talented actors they're well worth someone paying 50 cents to a dollar for eight to ten minutes of their time All right how'd i do there i not to not to break the interview i'm like wait a minute i don't have this in my notes and i'm out thinking myself <laughs> you're doing okay? good okay you're doing good. And you know we'll edit, the re- edit in between. Now, let me ask you this. What was the first thing that, uh, the first obstacle that you came up upon when you started the streaming service? Because everybody, 
when they start something or, or get a good idea, something always gets in the way. What was the first obstacle in your way? Inexpensive bandwidth. I mean, <laughs> um, I had, I had first talked to I said, Hold on, Amber. I was, I wanted to do this and I believe that was January or February. And the, as I, I said, my time, my time's not always my own. So I don't, I, I come up with ideas and I tell other people and they're like, let's try this. And then I go, what about this? Well, anyway, so you start looking at these websites and there's, who's another, I try, I try not to trash people, but, but, but the price of bandwidth is ridiculous. It is. So <laughs> I, I, I have Wix. Is that okay to say? Yes. Huh? I'm not really plugging them. It's just where the site is. So I use them to host the new site. And at first I thought we were going to get like three movies for what they wanted to charge. Turns out we can get like 30. They were like, oh yeah. So the more films we get, the better the audience experience that you were talking about for the cinematic quality. And uh, like the, yeah, there's it. That's the hardest part is trying to find a partner in terms of that. Who's, was like we share your vision because they told me it couldn't be done wix told me for three months you can't do this and i'm like okay i guess we can't do it then they were like you can do it and i'm like what do you mean i can do it you just told me it. so it's <laughs> it's about communication it's about being persevering and yeah it was that was the biggest problem at all and then it just came together and amber's like i said amber's a genius <laughs> and that's the hardest part when it comes to doing stuff with the streaming stuff. Nobody ever looks at the the backside of the technology you got to have. And like you said, bandwidth is something that's real hard to come by on the internet when you have something streaming, because that's something that's a heavy data drawer. Um, so another oh, can cool I, thing about- oh, Can I elaborate you... one thing? Yes. Well, and then, because it, it continues that point too. To do this, I didn't want to have to charge someone $1,500 to host a movie. I looked at it from out. Would I pay fifteen hundred dollars for someone to host a movie that just we don't know what the what the return's going to be? There's no guarantee, so we were able to knock that down to charge people. We, basically, it covers Amber's time to post. Have you have you you know when you put your stuff up and sometimes weird things happen? And you're like, oh, this will be ten minutes before it goes up, and next you know it's two hours later, but you're babysitting yes. it. That's what I wanted to make sure Amber got got re, uh, compensated for. I mean, I would, I'd pair out of my pocket if I had to, but uh, we got past that part too. And that was, yeah, we got it down to like, I think we charged $7 for someone to, to put a film up. And if it's under, if it's a really short film, we don't charge like five minutes under, we don't charge. That's, oh, wow. That's amazing. Again, it's not about greed. It's, I, I really hope it comes across that this is for other filmmakers. Right. So, and that was the thing that, that made it very interesting to me because you're offering independent films, short films, and other content creators a place to monetize. And, that, and that's something that's really awesome because you, they can't go anywhere else to monetize. Like you said, they're going to get pennies on the dime from um, from uh, Amazon. And the hardest thing is to get an option from a place like Netflix or Paramount, all these places that are doing, um, you know, that are all in this streaming uh, backyard now. Everybody's got a streaming service and they just want to pay for content at a certain price and they want to establish content. They're not looking for the next big thing anymore. Uh, uh, they're, they're paying, they're paying people like people who had movies, like let's say in the eighties, it wasn't big, anything super big, but they had a theatrical run and then it just got forgotten about. 
they want to pay pay those people like 200 bucks to bring a classic movie back but meanwhile they'll pay mgm 15 million dollars for 30 the first 30 days rights to see what happens they have no idea what the film's going to be but they'll here's 15 million dollars do with what you want we, you know it might be garbage but but you have a film like uh oh it's just looking like all right it's a rob lowe film it's a hockey movie young blood okay that that sat in obscurity for years and when it hit hit they didn't they wanted to pay like 200 300 dollars to put it up and then it kind of took off it's one of my favorite movies because i like the subject matter but that type of stuff to me is crazy and then you take it down to the smaller level like oh here you go here's a bottle of water thank you <laughs> now uh let me ask you this uh content creators uh anyone that's making something what are the policies and procedures for these people to submit stuff to you guys well make your film make a web series something visual um the latest addition to biddle drive-in is a is a series and it's a do you have that up on your screen like the imdb stuff um not right now but i can pull it up but, uh, I, I have up your I have your drive in. Do you remember the name of that dog show, hun? No, the one that we got put on the streaming site. The, the man and his daughter made it. I'll get you that information. But uh, are you talking about uh, Dogs of Town Hall? Yes, that that's up there with the stuff that Nickel Modian does, and this is some of the episodes are written by his daughter. I believe Whoa. she's eleven. She's 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 got a future. Why wouldn't I want to help these people? They're, and and it's it's just good stuff. It's not it's it's not obnoxious. There's no fart jokes. It's just a family doing something with passion, making a series out of it to share with the world. It and the quality's good. The girl's writing's amazing. Eleven years old, I could barely play with a uh, baseball card and probably wind up eating it. I mean, I couldn't write a book. I couldn't write a write a line <laughs> okay now let me ask you this all right um content creators always get inspired and they are aspiring to be something uh in the industry or just to make something that's a love letter to whatever what type of advice would you give to an aspiring content creator on when they're creating something and how do you feel about uh, the statement and this is the statement i'm going to make creating something that separates yourself from the rest of the field well, all right, let's start with that one. I don't think you have to worry about that when you start. I think you make what you like to the best of your ability and learn from it. Because when you start, you're not, I know when, when, when my very first short, was a, again, it was a bad zombie thing, but it was unrelated. I, I had, I just wanted to make a movie. I didn't, I found my actors at the Hollywood video and family <laughs> and, um, and we, we, I'm like, okay, this, you know, like you hold your camera and you're like, huh, wonder what this button does. What's that red light mean? Why am I looking at the big end? Oh, that's the type of stuff that it, you don't worry about it. You learn, make, make your visual story in the, in the format that you want and just tell it the best you can. Your next one will be better and just make it and get it out there. You know, that's, I mean, it doesn't have to, uh, like, I'm not a fan of cat videos. I, I'm, it's not that I have a thing against cat videos, 
I just don't think that's a that's a different kind of content. And right. if we're talking storytelling, all storytelling is amazing. Just make yours. Is that fair? That's fair. I, I actually like that answer. Now, what? And this is like a question that's off the topic because I like to do these just to to uh, mess with people. Okay. What What's in the future for you and your production company? Well, we're shooting. We've been shooting. I think I mentioned it's called Superheroes for Hire. Okay. And in the in our side of the business, weird things happen. Like Spokane's had the weirdest weather. We've had a hundred degrees. I don't know, fifteen days, ninety five plus, basically all summer, and due to like my brain stuff and some physical things. I can't work outside like that. I can't shoot like I used to. So, so it got put on hold and real life happened to some of the actors and some of it, as we know, during the pandemic stuff, some of it hasn't been exactly positive. Um, People in other countries, they may not be with us now and I'm still hoping I can work with them, but it's hard to like, they don't have internet capabilities or they passed and you can't get, you, you don't get messages. So I don't like to say, hey, you're going to be in. And then, so I have to wait on some of that. But anyway, yeah, that's that's that. Um, I don't have anything new new planned for my own writing for a while because I, I freelance too. So I work all the time. Okay. In something. <laughs> yeah, I drive my wife crazy. But yeah, the, 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 web, sh- the, the web series, the uh, Superheroes for Hire, we're hoping, we, well... It's supposed to be the first episode to be out September 24th. And I'm sure we'll stick to that time frame. It's just a matter of God willing, things go a little bit less crazy. Okay. Well, let's go talk about this driving experience real quick before you um, end the interview. Um, in the driving experience, um, you can do it from a browser. And um, you can, obviously, if you have a certain connection to your computer, you can put it up on a TV. Um What's the best experience you've had with viewing this, like hooking it to your TV and watching it? Oh, sorry. I believe that all content should be viewed on the biggest screen possible. Obviously, that depends on what people have. Um, uh, I've looked at every film on a computer screen, and it plays amazingly. Uh, I, I don't like to watch movies on this. Yeah, not at all. You know, you miss too many details. So at least the laptop screen tablets are fine. Tablets have been really good. Um, it projects, re- everything projects really well on our big TV. So the bigger the screen, the better. And the better, like, I noticed that if you have like uh, a sound bar. Yes. Things sound better with a sound bar. So. Okay, and I thank you for letting us know about that. Now, um, there comes a part of the show that I pay homage to a great news magazine, and it's called 2020. 2020 was a great uh, news magazine growing up. It came on Friday nights after um, TGI Friday went off. You had uh, John Stossel, you had Diane Sawyer, and then you had the greatest interviewer that ever lived. And no, I'm not talking about Ted Koppel or Dan Rather. I'm talking about Barbara Walters. Barbara Walters would ask a hard-hitting question. Diane Sawyer prior to that would give you a, a decent interview that will keep you intertwined till about 1040 
at 1040 at night, no matter where you were in life, if you watched um, Barbara Walters, she either sent you to bed questioning things or she sent you to bed and you had an attitude. It was one of the two things. And sometimes she would allow you to stay up a little bit later. She ran over to 11.02. So here we go, Ray. Here you go. You're on the hot seat right now. Are you okay. ready? And these questions, um, audience, once again, he's, he's not prepared for these. The other ones I do as a favor and all that other stuff. Okay. You have a lot of content over on your website. I'll give you a moment. Um, I'm going to uh, pull on one that caught my eye. The Red Whispers. That's one of obvious. Yes. The Red Whispers. Um, something about that was enticing. That, you also, let me name the, what's all over here. The Cosmologic Constant, Enlightenment 30 Seconds at a Time, Spotty, which is directed by you, um, Star Film Productions Presents The Call, Firefighter, and Emma's Visitor, and Dogs of Town Hall. That's what's over there right now. Mm -hmm. um, the Red Whispers. Just in looking at everything else, everything else catches your eye because everything is gripping. The Spidey, um, my girlfriend, she doesn't like spiders. So when she seen that, she kind of just looked away from it. She just put her hand over that. But um, <laughs> out of all this content, how did you decide? And this is a hard question to answer. How did you decide? Because I know you had these films and I know you had other submissions and things. How did you decide to go with just this stuff of right now? Like, first off, all of these movies. Well, um, I I'm going to be honest. I parts of the Red Whisper, I believe, I even wrote. See, Avi, I've done a lot of work for in the last couple of years. Uh -huh. and then he just makes some. He's like, "Hey, Ray," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that one because I've I've written like ten shorts for him, so I don't know exactly how he's going to do things." And the Red Whispers, I believe, is the one I used for a test view. So I don't even remember. And did we watch that one all the way through? Some of some of them I've seen a lot of times, so you just forget, and you're like, "Oh, it's still playing." Yes, but uh, that that one it was uh, Avi asked. He was like, "How do how do I get on your site? I have this one and this one right now, and I want to put more." I was like, uh, "Well, I knew the his other one, Emma's and, visitor." Yes, so I was like, "I trust you." I I I've only turned down three films so far that have been presented to me. And the only reason I turned them down, uh, they're too adult content. If that's a good way to word it. Okay. And uh, if it makes me blush, I can't put it on my site. Understandable. Understandable. Cause you have to uh, be careful with your brand, your products and everything that you're bringing out here. Um, so now here goes the hard hitting question. If um, Jackie decided tomorrow, that she wanted to take over the drive-in site and send you back over to just do writing and all the other parts of the production, would you be happy with her decision? I'd prefer Amber, because <laughs> Amber's more into, into that part of it. Okay. But, but I trust Jackie with anything she ever tells me in life. So if she was like, I want to take over the drive-in site, it's my baby now. Like, have at it, honey. I appreciate, you know, I mean, I love everything about it and I'd hope she'd let me at least like be a part of it in some way. But if she wanted it, she could absolutely take it. She's awesome. Okay. I, I like that. I answer. trust her with anything. Now, here's the most hard hitting question. 
um, it takes a lot of time to do everything that you do here. Um, you and your wife and Amber. Um, with Amber, she also has a, another business. She runs a podcast also outside of this. Um, how hard is it for you as a parent to pull her away sometimes from her podcasting duties to uh, keep with the family business? Um, <laughs> I'm just going to say something from Doc just to uh, change my mind. Because she'll hear it, then she'll come after me. Now, right. I, I, do, <laughs> I, I just ask Amber. There's never been, you have to do this. If she, if she and, she'll, and she'll, she'll tell you that too. She's like, can't do it today, dad. I'll do it tomorrow. And with Amber, if she says she's going to, you know, I'll do it by, I'll do it by next Monday, 10 a.m. It, it'll be done. I don't, I don't even think about it. I just... And she's like, oh, and I did this, this, and this in addition. So again, it's no Amber's great. If she uh if she if she's got stuff going on, she's never she's never obligated. I'll put it that way. Because I like that word, because obligations make people feel guilt, and I don't like guilt in my life. So right. I, I can't exp- I can't try to make people feel guilty. Okay. Now, Ray, another part of the show that we do is called the shameless plug. The reason okay. we do a shameless plug is this. Uh, we have listeners that listen throughout the show. They read the show notes. Um, and generally within the show notes, they find whatever they're looking for. If it's the blogging type, because some people will read. I know it sounds crazy. They will play the podcast, listen to it, but they will go in and read the, the show notes mm-hmm. to get the highlights. So if an audience member or just anyone that reads the show notes because it goes on Tumblr and all these other websites that just literally, sometimes they don't even pay attention to the podcast. It's just the, the amount of whatever is written in those show notes. Um, how would they contact you? Um, contact the production company. How would they get involved with you and let them know about your social media where you're located online so that they can reach you there. Cause not everybody goes to a website. Some people start at Instagram and then make their way. Oh, good question. Wish Amber. Amber? No. Uh, the social media part, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. The particulars on Instagram are pretty new. And again, that's been Amber. So, okay. But the BiddleProductions.com, BiddleDriveIn.com. Um, they can email me at uh, BiddleProductions at Comcast.net. And an inter- if, it, if they have a production question, I work it all with all levels. So if it's somebody that wake, listens today and they're like, I have this great idea for a story, but I don't know what to do. I answer questions for free. It's not like I'm like, you know, if you have a question, ask me. As for if they need work done, they can find me there. If they have a film, go to the Biddle Drive-Ins, contact us there. Uh, Facebook. Yeah, Facebook, it's uh, Biddle Drive-In or Biddle Productions or Ray Biddle. And uh, <laughs> uh, it might be a little bit if they contact me on Facebook. I'm currently serving a 30-day ban, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> over, over something silly that, anyway, you, you stand up for people and sometimes uh, Facebook decides that you did something wrong, but that's another story. Anyway. Right, yeah. Facebook's a relic. It's one of those places that I tell everybody. Um, it's, it's like going to Walmart, and no offense to Walmart, because um, they are my employer. Um, everybody goes in there, and they have a great time. But but Instagram, Instagram's like Target. Everybody's invited in there, but not everybody goes in there. 
Right. And that's where we're going to all line up at some point, even though it's only about Facebook, we'll line up all on Instagram at some point. That's where we'll end up. So, Ray, you, you, you made me think of something with the Instagram for uh, Biddle Drive-In. We're doing a giveaway. We just go to go to the I think it's at Biddle Drive-In. It's yes. That, that's it. So go there, follow the directions on the giveaway page and you can win a gift card. Actually, we're doing two. One's for mm-hmm. 10, one's for 25 hours, I believe. So, Okay. But anyway, oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You, you were saying? Oh, no, not, not at all. I mean, I was, I'm glad that you put all that information out there because that's how we pull people in and get people to um, listen and to go over to your website and engage. We're always looking for that engagement. Um, so, Ray, I want to tell you a huge thank you for coming on West Virginia and Commonplace um, to talk about all your ventures and everything that's going on with you and your production company. And lastly, at the end, um, we like to give a shout out to the people in your life that have helped you along the way and have guided you down a certain path and some people that stopped you from falling off of a bridge. So please, Ray, would you take this moment real fast to thank everyone that has helped you along the way? Well, well, the the big picture is every, every viewer, every, uh, every actor, but I can't name them all because there's just a lot. But people that help me the most are Jackie, my kids, Amber, Zach, and Kirsten, and uh, my mentor, Ron Ford. Then there's Avi Chandra. Then there's uh, Brain Cramp. <laughs> oh, uh, from Lost in the World, Lost in the Woods Productions, Andrew Haas. He's my go-to cameraman. Now he's editing for me. Without him, I'd be screwed royalty in most stuff. And Trisha Davis. Trisha Davis is an actress that she deserves to be on. She deserves to make her living doing this. So she's another one. She's your caller and she's like, I'll be there. Just tell me when. So those people, everybody that, yeah. Okay. All right. And once again, Ray, I want to thank you for coming on to West Virginia and Commonplace. It has been a pleasure of mine to have you on here because I love people that do something special in the world. And what I mean by special is this. You decided that you would be a player in a game that not everybody is chosen to do. You made a choice that you're going to say, hey, um, big Amazon, big streaming services. I'm here to help the independent guy out, not the little guy, but the independent guy, the guy that may not be able to get through all these doors. You're opening doors for them, and eventually they can go to a higher echelon. If so, and if not, it's still the principle that you're taking time to be the IFC streaming service, basically, for all of these people, you know? Um, And it's so hard to get your content out I guess in the video realm and in any type of digital content like that without a backer and you're the backer for these people to do these things. So I want to commend you and thank you for this foremost. And I wish you guys the best in the world when it comes to production, everything else that you're doing, because you're, you're setting a precedent for people. You're showing, Hey, we can get out here. We can build our own network. We can have films on here. Nobody's really out here doing this on a strong suit. Most people, what they're doing is, They're going over to Roku. You can go buy a channel for $3,500 fully equipped, throwing it up on on Roku, and Roku's raking in the profit. Yeah. 
yeah, I know, I know about that one too, but uh, I didn't want to go that way because, well, first of all, that's a lot of money, and uh, second, I, I know a lot of garbage on there too, and I, I wanted to avoid that. But I th- thank you for having me and helping us. It's awesome. All right. West Virginia and Commonplace, we will be signing off. And once again, they have a giveaway going on over at their Instagram page, and there will be much more to come. Talk to you all later. Thank you.